It's time to be heard. It's time to stand up and be counted. It's time for One Too Many Voices with your host, Love Scopes author, and father of all things One Too, Mark Husson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of One Too Many Voices. I am so happy to be here. This is a really, really enjoyable process for me, and every week I get the most amazing people to connect with because not only do I get a chance to connect with them because it's not always easy to do, I get to give you a chance to connect with them as we learn a little bit about what they think, what they have to offer, and some of the experiences they go through. My panel today has uh, is a very special panel. Uh, they each have a expertise in the area of pet illness, pet loss, maybe just even loving pets, and uh, as many of you listening do. Uh, the goal of today's show is to introduce you to possible um, this, the fact that maybe you're not alone in some of the trouble and struggle that you're going through, and also that maybe we can offer you some tips and ideas in dealing with uh, the most difficult thing, I think, one of the most difficult things in life to deal with, which is loss of any kind, but especially of those things that we dearly love, our, our pets. So um, to start us off, um, I'd like to start uh, with an introduction to a very special guest we have. She's my big sis. I have great admiration for her. She's a Gemini. She has pioneered the uh, industry of anything she puts her interest in. Uh, she, she, there's no question if she's involved in it, it's been researched thoroughly. And I think, I hope some of it rubbed off on me. Uh, please welcome, if you would, Deborah Bertrand. Debbie, are you with me? I am. Thanks for having me today, Mark. Yeah, it's so fun having you. Hope we get to do a bunch more together. And then next to her energetically, of course, everybody's talking from their microphone, is um, a woman that I've grown to have great respect for. She is an animal communicator. She hosts the Animals View at 1-2 Radio. I'm just really getting to know her. And the more I get to know her, the more I am in love with her. So please, if you would, welcome Lizanne Flynn to our panel today. Lizanne, are you here? Yes, Mark, I'm here. Thanks so much for having me and back at you. Yay, thank you. <laughs> and then um, sitting next to her energetically is uh, another person that I'm just enamored of. She, We met her uh, from a letter they wrote exploring possibilities of being on the radio show, and it just spiraled into not only being one of the most successful shows that we have on Once Radio, The Psychic Sisters. She branched out on her own as well, doing both with a show called Indigos uh, and Rainbow. Wait a minute, Indigos, tell me what it is, Katie. It's Indigos, Crystals, and Rainbows, oh my. That's right. <laughs> I spelled <laughs> crystals wrong and then it just blew my notes. So the, please, if you probably recognize the voice, Katie Weaver. Katie, thank you so much for being a part of it. How are you today? I am well, and I'm just excited. This is going to be a great show. So healing. Yeah, it really is. And thank you so much for being a part of it. Lastly, but certainly not least, someone I have, get this, never spoken to in my life before. And I'm so thrilled. When I heard her voice, I actually got goosebumps. You probably recognize her often in the chat rooms. And, and one of our biggest supporters, we talk to her regularly, almost daily. Without seeing her, sometimes I feel a little lost. If you would, please welcome Elizabeth Bigger. Elizabeth, are you with us? Yes, I am, Mark. <laughs> so good to have you here, and it really is good to hear your voice. And you all might recognize her voice being a little different. She, her microphone had a mercury retrograde fallout, so she's sort of playing with us. It, 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 I said, snuggle up to the microphone. <laughs> 
as your computer. So I can't even imagine how uncomfortable she might be. But God, I'm, it's good to have you here. And it's also good to know that the people that are playing with us is there's a Gemini, there's a Capricorn, there is a Cancer, and there's a Scorpio. So you guys know who our audience is. And I'm going to start us off today's uh, dialogue with a little, um, just a little, some of your thoughts about what it is that is the magic in a pet. What is it that, that, that seems like the love between a pet, regardless of it's a cat, a dog, a ferret, a horse, uh, it seems like people have these enormous love affairs. Um, can, can, can we start off with an idea, uh, let maybe perhaps from the, the, uh, two experts in the middle of, uh, uh, Katie and Lizanne, uh, start us off with your ideas of what it is in that connection that seems to be so powerful. Either of you? Well, um, you know, oh. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it that way. I'll We're both what, so eager. We are both so eager. This is this is Katie. You go ahead, I, Katie. You know, it seems to me like not only are animals so unconditionally loving and trusting of us, it's also their vulnerability. They need us, and yeah. as human beings, we have a need to be needed. And you, so it makes it in a way that we're able to serve them. They don't judge us. They don't care. You know, they'll always come back for more. And I think that that's a big part of why we have such a deep connection with them. Makes a lot of sense to me. Lizanne, you concur? You add to that. No, absolutely, Mark. Um, I think Katie's right on target. And, and I would add that I think... Um, a lot of times for humans, there's that uh, soul connection. I think there's a resonance. I think on some level, whether we're really tuned into our own intuitive ability or not, we recognize that here's another sentient being whose intuition is off the charts. And for me, animals definitely kind of are helpers in helping us get to that place where we are, where they see, as Katie said, the world around them, I think, with unconditional love, a lot of times, no matter what happens to them. Yeah, I, I actually think you guys nailed it. Now, Debbie, you um, have, you just lost a, a, a dear, I call it, I think they're family members, you just lost your dear dog. And during the course of, of the interaction with Pierce, can you, do, do you feel that what they said is the reason you fell in love? Or do you have, did, what, what actually creates that bond over time, do you think? And do you remember a moment when um, you realized this, this dog you're madly in love with that, that changed from when you first got him as a puppy and saw him as a duty? Well, they both, for both of the reasons that both ladies said, uh, we were so in tune to each other. I mean, he knew when I was upset. Um, he was just, you know, he, he, he could read me. I mean, thoroughly read me and he was my companion. I mean, I'm, I'm alone and he was my companion, my, my walking partner. Uh, you know, we ate together and I could take care of him and he was loving and unconditionally loving and he did rely on me. So, uh, it, it was just a beautiful relationship. I, um, I agree. I got to see some of that. Elizabeth, when you um, do, do you currently? I don't know any of your history with an animal. I know you love them. Do you do you have an animal now, or did you recently lose or anything? Tell me a little bit about your background with animals. Well, I've always had uh, an animal, mostly cats, um, as constant companions. The I recent I I currently have a beautiful uh, tortoise shell lady named Isis. Mm. And she's asleep in the corner of the room right now, thank God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I had some loss. Um, I had a cat a few years ago, 
that uh, had epilepsy. Uh, it was I adopted it as a kitten. It was uh, orphaned, mm. and um, through trying to treat the disease, one of the side effects, and it is rare that the medicine that they give them for epilepsy, the liver can have a, a effect on it Absolutely. from the medicine. Yes, and uh, she. By the time we figured out what was happening to her, she had lost 90% of her liver function. Oh. And uh, between the vet and I, we decided we didn't want to let her have any more pain. And uh, I held her as she passed over. Mm. So painful. Now, you guys, why? What is the argument? Um, Katie, we're coming back, back to you. But what is the argument about like I know there's a lot of love in in uh, getting an animal there's a lot of excitement but I have a philosophy after the painful loss of my little kid Egypt uh which was a dog a chow part chow um I go I don't want to have another thing that I'm going to outlive I mean it just is so painful but what is the argument against that why why do we need to have pets in our lives do you think we need to have pets in our lives Oh my gosh, we, yeah, we do. I mean, from the time we're children, if you start with kids, children who are raised in households with pets are more compassionate, they're more empathetic, they know how to treat other beings well, they're more responsible, and they actually scientifically have less allergies than other kids do if they're raised with pets. So, I mean, that's the first step, really, but mm. then moving on to adults, love doesn't split, it grows. And so if you're loving more than just the people around you, but you're loving animals around you as well, you're just creating so much love and it comes right back to you. I, I truly believe that people who have pets just have overall a better life because of that, because they're attracting and creating so much love in their sphere. Wow, that's so sweet. Lizanne, is there a, do, you, do you think there's a, is it possible to have a relationship, even if it's an awful pet relationship, that you think, do you think there's any past life thing to this? Or what's your belief around the sort of why we attract a certain animal? And sometimes oh, those relationships well, I, are... I think I think that that's a good question, Mark. And I think it's a lot like the people in our lives. <laughs> oh, <'cause, laughs> Sometimes yeah. we attract the people into our lives that we have the deepest and most profound lessons with on both sides of the equation. And I, I definitely think that... Um, I definitely think that uh, some people and some animals on a soul level basis do have a past life connection. And again, that's a, when I've witnessed it that before with some of my clients and it's incredibly deep and oh my gosh, it can be almost, you know, tenderly painful because those lessons and the awareness of this past life connection um, can be so profound. Um, I might add that I... I tend to use the word animal companion over pet, mm -hmm. um, and this could this could just be me, but I think framing it in that way um, puts the animal on a bit of a different level and kind of honors them in their own right. I like Does that. that. Make sense? It makes incredible sense, and I think we should start a mission <laughs> to start saying that. I mean, and not make people wrong who say pet, but to actually right. think in our heads, what a sweet way to say I have an animal companion, which is sort of elevating them to this level of what they are, which is a companion and way more than my pet. <laughs> I have, exactly. pet, you know, I can actually use pet in a pejorative way with friends. So it's, <laughs> it's sure. I like elevating that. That's good. I, li I like that a lot. Now, Deb, pro or con, I'm going to go through and ask everybody this. 
should you wait after the loss of a pet to get another or is there different theories? What's your opinion, uh, Debbie, on, on when you lose a pet? Some people say go out and get another one right away or um, some people say no, do your grief. What's your opinion? Well, for me, the pain was so overwhelming it's horrible, isn't it? That I wanted to take some time mm-hmm. and and go through the grieving process, which I am still going through. But yet it's funny because sometimes I look at other dogs. Um, I've never had cats. I've just, you know, I just take to dogs. And I look and I think maybe it would be best to fill this hole in my heart to get another animal companion and maybe I'll feel better, you know, and just, it's, it's just, it, at first I said, no more no ever. Right. I don't want to go through this horrible pain of losing an animal again. And then as the months have gone by, I have changed my mind a little bit. Which, which is really a test to the fact that for you waiting was probably a good thing. And um, because, you know, the, a little months go by and you start feeling a little easier. But let me ask you this for a reference point of the audience. Was a little, was it a very, I know some pets die suddenly. That people who may be an accident or maybe it would, you know, just for natural causes die suddenly. How do you perceive, was Pierce's a long thing? Was it, was it something you got a chance to get some closure with while he was living? Let people have a little idea of that process. Okay, absolutely. Pierce was ill, and um, he was ill. He had uh, anal gland cancer, and we went ahead and had the surgery, and they gave him like two to three months to live. And um, Mark, you um, introduced me to Pat McKay, Mm -hmm. and through her help and homeopathy, and my commitment and Pat's commitment to us, I had one more year with him to totally be by his side and nurse him and help him. So, yes, I did have closure. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, the, the normal thing for me would have been to let him die peacefully at home naturally. But he was in pain and losing weight. And he couldn't walk, and it was just no quality of life for him. So I chose to have a vet assist. And But, yes, I had closure. I had plenty of closure. Mm-hmm. But I wrote that article that you put in, into in the, the Power, Power Peak, Peak yes. and uh, Lizanne wrote me. And she was so kind, and she said, let's have a session. And it was only with Lizanne's help that I realized that I did the right thing. I was overcome with such guilt because I had to kill my dog as that's the way I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. And and she she talked to me over the phone and I realized so much because she was communicating with him and I had several questions and my questions were answered and I just she took all of this off of my shoulders and I was better uh, able then to go through my grieving process. Unbelievable. I love that. And I and I do want to give kudos uh, not only to Pat McKay, who we both adore and both knew, but Lizanne's uh, generous efforts to comfort you with nothing being asked for was just it was really overwhelming. So I applaud you and hug you for that. Lizanne is very sweet. Oh, I do, too, Lizanne. You're both very kind. I was happy to help. And Pierce was um, an unusual guy. Absolutely. Very Very unique. 
Great yeah, guy. He was a great guy. <laughs> now, the, uh, Elizabeth, do you agree with uh, waiting or not waiting, do you think? I, I think it's up to the individual, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to wait. I had to wait. And it wasn't till Isis came along and she was uh, a feral hurt baby and I couldn't, I couldn't refuse her. It was like God brought her to me. And uh, I said, okay, come on in. And I adopted her and nursed her up. But um, I'm very thankful for the process that I went through because uh, grieving a loss is part of life. And I feel like that little cat came into my life to teach me the grieving process. And uh, it wasn't shortly after that I lost my dad. And I knew the steps I had to allow myself to get through it. Gosh, they even teach in that, right? It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mark, can I just say something? Mark? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I just want to say, um, on in addition to what Elizabeth said, uh, it was makes my heart so happy to hear that that Elizabeth wanted to get through the grieving process and that Isis came into her life. And I'm waiting for that, Elizabeth. I'm not going to go out looking because I believe that when it's a time that an animal will come into my life and and I will know at that time. So I, mm. I think that was that that was a great story. Yeah, and Katie, do you hear a lot of um, do do you hear a lot of people? Uh, I know you probably hear that dialogue a lot. Do you find that animals do actually have a sort of soul timing that is like? And and do you hear? This is the question I actually had in my head. Do you hear people saying, "Oh my God, I think it's exactly the same behavior that my." previous pet had right that kind of my my other pet did this you know do you see that a lot do you feel that oh definitely that happens all the time and i really i truly believe that animals walk back in and come back in i had a ferret in high school who then was a chihuahua before i had children (laughs) who is also a chihuahua who i have now same (laughs) spirit that's been in my world three times and i see that with my clients constantly and is your process uh, in in grief uh, to go on the open up and go look, or do you is it is it individual? What's your philosophy on replacing an animal uh, companion? Uh, I'm you know I'm not a big fan of grief and suffering, and I don't want to wait. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, and you know, I'm I love hearing I the other desire to nurture and love things and. I really, I'm not a waiter. I usually go ahead and get what I want. I believe and I fully know that spirit allows the right thing to happen at the right time. And so I have really felt like even in my little chihuahua boy that I have now, who was born before my little girl died, my little female chihuahua, that is the same spirit. Why can't they walk in? Of course they can. Of course. Lizanne, what do you think? Are you in agreement with the idea of, do you have a preference of waiting, not waiting? Or like if Debbie said, I'd rather wait and let it come to me. But what if she woke up one day with an incredible urge to get an animal and she started her hunt? Isn't that kind of the same thing? Because then she'd find it and it would have called to her. Or how do you feel about it? Right. No, no, I think that's true, Mark. I think that you know, trusting oneself and kind of listening to, you know, your intuition, that inner voice about, you know, just might be just a very soft whisper saying it's time, um, you know, it's time to close the door, 
you know, um, and, and it's not like, it's not like things are going to be too crowded in the house, you know, with Pierce hanging around spirit wise and another new animals uh, coming in because they'll, they'll meet each other. The only, the only thing I would add is that sometimes, particularly with dogs, um, if there's more than one dog in a family, um, that certainly the other animals that have lost the sibling, um, animal companion, they grieve just like we grieve. And for them, they also sometimes have, um, you know, changes in, in hierarchy that go on. You know, for instance, if it's the older, uh, oldest dog in the, in the family group that crosses over, well, that's going to shake up the other animals below. And again, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they also need time to grieve. And so, um, Sometimes when people ask me that question, I say, you know, look to your other animals, you know, when they've kind of completed their grieving process. And if you've ever seen an animal grieve, particularly a dog, they grieve with every single cell in their body. Mm -hmm. They don't eat. They mope. You might hear them crying. I mean, it's, it's identical to what we do. So, again, if there, are other, if there are other animals in the family, particularly dogs, I usually advise just wait and follow their lead. I mean, they're pretty smart <laughs> in these matters and so that's the only other thing i would add so a sad animal um let me think about this a sad animal over uh the loss of a companion that it shared doesn't necessarily mean i needed somebody else it, it, we got to sort of this sounds like a delicate area we got to sort of feel this one out if the let's say it's a dog is sulking and moping it's, you think an owner might go we got to get another one to keep him happy but that's not necessarily true we got to sort of have some real intuition around this, right? Like Right. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm thinking um, I've got a client out in California, two huskies. The older male just recently crossed over and his guardian, their guardian called me and she was just so upset on the phone and she said, I listened to him sob and he's not eating. Mm. And of course, I'm communicating with him and he's saying to me, his words were, it'll take me a little while to get my sea legs. And so I just said to her, just wait watch with him, do your own grieving, kind of be partners in grieving. And I said, they'll show you, they really will show you, and you really will know when it's time to bring um, another member in the family. Because again, as you said earlier, Mark, they definitely are family members. And I, I agree, um, mm. some sensitivity is called for, I think. That's so good. And that's why we have people who are animal uh, communicators, who if you need help, uh, understanding or, or need help talking to your animal. Katie, you and Lizanne both do this. You guys don't need to be there in person, right? Do you have to be there in person or can you do this by phone? Can you oh, yeah, we can just do it by phone. You agree, Lizanne? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Energy is energy. Yeah. <laughs> and so... energy doesn't have any boundaries. So. And that's why we, I always let the yeah. listeners know, let the professionals decide. Don't you all decide. Like, well, they can't do it by phone. Ask. They'll tell you. Okay. Um, Deb, uh, Vet or no vet, what's, what, the, what is the role that a vet should play in an animal's life? Uh, and, and this could get into controversial uh, topics, and this is not meant as an advocacy. It's meant as personal opinion. What are your feelings about vets now that you're complete uh, homeopath nut, right? <laughs> are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I okay. I, I thought I didn't hear you say Debbie. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I am a complete homeopath, not for uh, animals, and um, also about the food that they take in. I'm totally against vaccinations, and so. But my vet um, 
practices veterinary medicine and however he was open-minded and and I was so grateful for that and whatever I wanted to do he was fine with but I always had him for an emergency um, like if you know if something was happening with Pierce um, and, and I didn't understand what it was uh, Pat was in Nevada and I could tell her what was going on but it was very difficult because she could not see so um, I did take him continue to take him into the vet for checkups and for x-rays um, just just to see if things were progressing had the cancer metastasized and so on and so forth so yes I still used my vet okay Elizabeth you got any opinions on vet or no vet? Uh, I think my my personal opinion is I, I have a limited interaction with veterinarians uh, because of the locale I'm at, I, I do believe in vaccinations. I had a feral come up to my back door that had feline distemper, and I had never seen it before in my life. But I do vaccinate my, my, my ISIS. But uh, I also do a lot of homeopathic uh, feeding and medicines and things like that that I can do for her here at home. Mark and his guests will be right back after this short intermission. If you'd like to be a guest on a panel, drop a note to voices at 12radio.com. And now, here's Mark. Yes, and I really want to emphasize again, let's not make it right or wrong. The, the intent is we, we get under advice. I was under the advice of a veterinarian for my dog uh, years ago, and they said never change the food out and always do dry food. And he ended up dying of stomach cancer, and it sent me on my quest. But so we got it, and, and, and you know, that's not making the vet bad either. Sometimes I think there's a real place for science and for medicine, and we just have to determine that. Let's see, Katie, you got a take on it? Homeopathic. Oh yeah, I, I there's a place for vets, just like with people. There's a place for doctors, you yes, know. Yes. But I mean, my dogs go to the vet probably about as much as my kids go to the doc, and that's very, you know, rarely. But there's emergencies, there's accidents, there's reasons to go to the vet for sure. But you've got to feel good about your vet and feel good about your clinic. And if you don't, you've got to find somewhere else to go. I think that. A lot of this for guardians of animals is just really trusting your gut and finding someone that you're very, very comfortable with and always do your homework and shop around. Yeah, I, I have to underscore that. You need to love the person you're working with. Lizanne, opinion on this? Oh, I'm, I'm with Katie. I think that um, the, the visits that my cats, um, I have two cats, Kiki and Lacey, two little girls, mm -hmm. um, not so little and a little older <laughs> now, um, go to the vet infrequently but yeah I agree that person um, you know just by the way they handle them by the way they talk with them by the way that they address your concerns I think that's um, really really critical and I might add that um, a number of times if I'm working with animals that are having for instance um, eating problems you know either Oh gosh, you know, they might be having like um, some reflux issues with uh, a sensitive stomach, uh, a lot of different acid, things like that. Animals will absolutely, dogs in particular, show you what their preferences are diet-wise. And not surprisingly, oftentimes, they are things that are 
organically good for whatever is going on with their physical body at that point in time. I think animals have a really, mm. really close connection. I'm thinking humans, we might not be able to grasp the kind of connection they have with their physical self. And so, again, I'll just put a plug out there for animal communication that if, that, that if you're in doubt about your dog seems to be turned off of the crunchy food that he has or the wet food or something is not quite right, um, there's no harm um, in, first of all, getting some different options from the animal and secondarily, most importantly, checking it out with the vet to say, hey, I, th I had this idea about changing the diet. Would this be okay to do? I mean, the, the, for me, the vet is the go-to person. Um, I always say to the client, make sure you check with your vet if I get a feeling from an animal about a diet or supplement kind of change. Do you find that you guys um, – I know I've met a lot of vegetarians in my industry. There's a lot of food um, fanaticism, I'm going to call it that, because there's so much consciousness around – if we focus our, our mind on one thing, some people can take that anywhere, like vegetarianism, veganism. Um, what do you do and how do you feel about people with very strict um, beliefs, especially I'm thinking about around vegans for the purpose of non-sacrifice of animals, making their animal a vegan or a vegetarian? Is that um, – and I'm opening this up for anybody who has any thought about it at all – do you find that that is a that they, it can work if you start your animal off um, as a vegetarian? Can you just can they live that way? I know people are going to say, you know, callers would say yes. They oh my my animal has, but I've heard it's really bad. I, do you have a t take on it? Either of you, Katie, Lizanne, first. You starters? know, I, and I do have a client whose dog had to go vegetarian because of, of allergies in her food, but that is not their native diet. That dogs eat meat. You know, they mm -hmm. do, and cats do too. And so I feel like it's not the most healthy diet to not provide them with what they should have, what, you know, what they ate in the wild, what their, you know, ancestors ate. That's where we need to look back to, you know, as, exactly. as animals and as people. Yes. I totally agree with Katie. <coughs> you do, Deb? Okay. I do. I mean, yeah. I look back where, when they used to be in the wild before they were domesticated and look at what they had to eat then. Uh, it was no grains. It was, they, they're carnivores. They are carnivores. And I'm totally against a vegetarian diet for a dog. I mean, for me, it, it kind of goes back to the whole pet animal companion issue. It's, it's honestly looking at this uh, adult sentient being in your life as not, not as an extension of you. I mean, this is not an object. object. This, is, this is a whole and completely formed uh, intuitive adult sentient being complete with the soul. Their needs and their wants um, on a physical level, emotional level, mental, spiritual, etc. are very, very different than ours. I mean, just think about it. We don't have to go to Mars to know what it's like to have a relationship with a, a sentient being of a different species. We do it every day here on mm. planet Earth, but it does take the honoring of what their needs are and taking those into account. And I, I agree. I think that um, dogs and cats being um, uh, carnivores, um, definitely, I don't think it's appropriate. And I, I would be, it would be an interesting question, I'll put it this way, to put it out there to vet to say, would you endorse, um, you know, uh, 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 simply 
just totally vegan or uh, vegetarian diet. And as a matter of fact, there's um, just briefly, there's this great journal called the Whole Dog Journal. Um, I think you can look it up online. And every year they put out um, their recommendations for the best dry and the best uh, wet dog foods. And they've they've got this great little... Um, tool that you can use if you're just kind of sitting there and going, well, do I have good dog food or not, where you can kind of plus or minus for the amount of uh, animal protein that's in the dog's food, plus or minus for grain, additives, fillers, all that sort of stuff. So in the end, um, you, you, you can feel pretty comfortable about what kind of positive, healthy food, as Debbie said earlier, it does come back to diet, what you put in. That's Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Elizabeth, you do... Um a, a, a holistic diet for your cats, right? You said, um, or what? What kind of diet do you both, give them? Really? <laughs> huh? But uh, what? Like Lizanne said, I, I kind of follow what she wants to do. Okay, but and, what do you do uh, when you have like a cat? She's a carnivore. <laughs> she's a carnivore. Yeah. What do you do though? You know, there's the whole tuna thing with cats. You're not supposed to give them tuna. I've heard it blocks the absorption of taurine. That it becomes like crack to them. How do you know the difference between your animal's addiction because of bad diet and the the natural craving for good food? Anybody? Hmm. Well, uh, that's a really good question. I, I'll have to tell you, if I I have one cat that I could <laughs> she eats nothing but the, the, the food that I get from the vet, as a matter of fact. The other one, I could feed her bacon, I yeah. could feed her salmon, I could feed her tuna. But even though she might have an initial taste for it, I've noticed that um, sooner or later, even if it's just a taste, it comes back up again. So, in, in a you know, oh, gotcha. I hate to mention that in polite company, but, no, you know. That's good. Cat, <laughs> cat now that we know what happens. you mean. I mean, it just does. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, yes, yes, it does. And so... Um, Again, I think it's kind of getting back to um, trusting um, the source of the of the food that you're giving to your companion animals and knowing that this is food specifically for your companion animals. It's just like feeding a dog table scraps. I'm not a big fan of feeding a dog table scraps because I think that's human food and I think that that, you know, who knows what's going to happen um, again to, you know, for instance, um, a herding dog with a really sensitive stomach that gets food, human food that happens to be too rich for them. I mean, that can really cause some pretty significant issues. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Mark, I um, yes. just want to add something. Yeah. Um, I, I did not do the right things for Pierce the first 12 years of his life. And the last year of his life, I learned what, I hate to say the word should, but what I should have been doing. And and I know if I had done things the way I believe they should be done now, he probably would not have gotten cancer. Okay. So having said that, I learned a lot the last year of his life. And in, in my opinion, there was nothing that I could eat that he could not eat except a few uh, nightshade vegetables. But if I was eating right and having wild-caught salmon and a hormone-free chicken and turkey um, and hormone-free beef, which is hard to find in Charleston, West Virginia, then the only difference between what I ate and what Pierce ate was that Pierce ate them raw and I ate them cooked. And so that, that's my take on the diet. 
if you can eat it, the, if it's supporting of a human, it, it could be supportive of your dog. Correct? Yes, absolutely. I did not buy anything special for him. Um, no dry dog food. Now, this is just my opinion, and this is and this is why I believe that when he the day that he died, his fur was red and beautiful and silky. He lost nothing. He was already sick when I administered this new way of eating for him. Um, and so, if I ever have another animal, this is the route that I'm going to take. Uh, but I bought nothing special for him, and and he loved it. And sometimes he ate once a day, and sometimes he didn't eat for two days because he was satisfied. But that was Pierce. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I'm ba- with you, I, and I get to put a plug in for Harmony Farms thanks to Pat McKay too. They um, Pat is a big advocate of raw food that the with organ a certain percentage of organ meat from the same animal with vegetables that that there's certain no nos for cats, but all the yes yeses go into the mix and Harmony Farms actually makes a fresh batch whether it's beef lamb um, even ostrich uh, turkey and chicken and what I noticed with the boys is um, I have to I warm it a little for them now we're getting a little silly because what I noticed is they they every time we pull out one of those roasted chickens, they hover, they go crazy. And they were never (laughs) around that stuff. And I'm like, what is it in this thing that they want? I cannot figure it out. So I finally just warmed up their food, just took out the chill, put it in warm water. And then, and I make their food extraordinarily soupy. It almost looks like water. Now my guys never drink out of a water bowl. They never have. They don't know how really because their food is so moist because I was really committed to their kidneys. And so they get a vitamin-rich raw food that's really wet. Katie, where are you with the diet thing? You know, I used to make my own dog food when mm-hmm. I was home more, and now I just can't. But I, we have six dogs, and we, uh, we used to raise Great Danes, and Danes have really specific dietary needs. And so mm. I've always fed my dogs according to that, and they've done just fine. But I do use dry food. Mm-hmm. I, I there's only so much you can do, you know, <laughs> and well, I use a dry food that, that I'm really comfortable with yep. and my dogs have done really well on. But again, I think it goes back to preference. What do you, what can you afford? What do you have time for? That's and right. really, what do you feel comfortable with and are your pets flourishing on? If mm-hmm. they're not doing well, clearly a change is in order. But if they are, I'm comfortable. Then you're comfortable. Absolutely. And you guys, I think we have to address the guilt thing because there is this thing that sort of spreads in the new, I think, I don't know if it's just the new age world. I mean, I know the, the non-new age world is really guilt ridden as well, but we do this blame thing. If something gets sick, if we get sick, if the, if our animal gets sick, we tend to think, you know, that, Oh, you know, what'd you do? And, and, you know, somebody, it's just, it's crazy to me because I think there's a horrendous amount of guilt. You give this pets all this love and then you get somebody saying, well, you should have added this vitamin to it and you didn't. I would like to address uh, a little bit about how to stop this judgment. Love is number one. Um, do the best you can, uh, I would I would think. But also, I think if you're going to get a dog and you're smart and you're listening to shows like this, probably you should do some research on breed, cats too, what they eat, what they like. I mean, any suggestions, Lizanne, where to begin? Well, and, and that's a great question, Mark. And I, I often say to uh, people that I work with, the one thing I cannot do is take breeding specifically out of a dog. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's impossible. So say for instance, 
you live in a, a relatively um, small place and you get yourself uh, some, uh, you, you decide to adopt some sort of a, of a cattle dog. Mm-hmm. That, that's, it's fine. And if this dog calls to you and if you feel like there's a bond, I think that's a wonderful thing. But I also think it's important to be an informed um, guardian and to know that if you're going to adopt a specific breed of dog, um, it's wise to consider what the needs of those dogs are. It's, yes. It kind of goes back to what's best for the animal. And so that it's it's fine to have an animal like that in that kind of environment, but know that you also need to spend a considerable amount of time with this animal, giving it the kind of exercise that uh, determined by breed a cattle dog is used to. Otherwise, you kind of run into issues with uh, sometimes boredom, sometimes being destructive, sometimes separation anxiety. It really comes down to, I, I think your point is excellent about doing some research on, is is my lifestyle compatible with the needs of this dog mm-hmm. or of this cat? What What about the quantity? Where, where do we draw the line? Um, uh, how many are you comfortable having? How many do you recommend people have, Elizabeth, just based on your own personal experience? Well, I think I think it, you have to draw the line in, on economics. Oh, because okay. if you get to a certain point where you're you're stretching yourself out, you're not caring for the the animals enough. So, if you were starting fresh, would you buy two, or go get two at the same time, or would you get one, wait a few months, and get another? I would buy two if you wanted two. I would buy two at the same at time. At the same time, Debbie, what do you think? Definitely one for me because of the lifestyle that I would be giving that dog. Uh, definitely one for me. Uh, with everything else going on, um, a sick parent and everything, I want to be fair to the animal. I would not bring two in right away, and that may change later when I totally have no more responsibility. Okay, excellent. Katie, what's your take? I know you have, I'm asking the person with six dogs. Now, yeah. let's talk about, <laughs> but let's talk about what, how, and when. What is the conscious and responsible way, in your opinion, um, if, if somebody not in your circumstance, because clearly you can do that and you, I'm sure you have great facilities, but somebody just starting to get a pet and thinking about it, um, two at the same time, one, then another. You know, I think it depends a lot on if they have had that, if they've had a dog before, if they've had a pet before. If you have never had a pet in your household, don't get two. Start with one. Get one and get to know what it's like to raise an animal. I've seen so many disasters with people who want to get a dog and they run out and they buy two because they think that's going to be great, but they don't know what they're doing. And so it's just doubly hard. And so I think it depends a lot on the person and what their past experience is. Now, if you, you know, you're very well schooled on what it's like to have a dog or a cat and you know how to, you know, introduce them to their house, your household and how to potty train them and things, then more power to you. But if you haven't and this is your virgin run with this, don't do it. Do one. How about you, Lizanne? When you change your energy, your animal companions will change theirs so that... Um, humans come first. And what's most important for humans is that if they feel comfortable and secure and confident in taking on uh, another animal companion life into their family, then that is going to automatically translate to the animal and it's going to create this environment of 
comfortableness, of, of confidence, of security, and everything is going to go really smoothly. If you <laughs> bring in two animals just because you feel like you should adopt both of them at the same time, and you're not feeling comfortable with it, as Katie said, or you've never had an animal companion before, um, I, I, I have to admit to having some reservations to success in that because um, unless you can just kind of do this immediate security and I feel really good with this situation, I think that might be a little bit rough. And I have to say, I think there might be a little bit of difference between species. I think that, um, and everybody gives cats a bad rap for being independent. Mine are not so much so. They're two little love machines, but cats are not dogs. Dogs are not cats. And I think dogs require a little bit of a different kind of a bonding um, than cats mm -hmm. do. I mean, it's just the difference between species, I think. So I think you did right, Mark. I do. I felt really good about it, too. And good. I did the same thing with my cats. Uh, and Mark, yes. can I just add something Please there? Please do. That, <clears throat> excuse me, too, when you're adding a second pet to the household or a third pet or whatever, getting some work with an animal communicator can be really, really beneficial mm. so that the pets who already live there have a chance to have their say and to understand why there's a new pet kind of coming in. One thing I've heard from cats many times is nobody asked me and <laughs> I didn't want this or why don't they love me? Why are they mad at me? Why are they replacing me? See, and so I think it's really important to get a communicator involved so that you guys can all be on the same page as to why this new pet's coming in. Wow. I want to make this really clear. I agree 100%. You guys, we have to move forward and get your closing statements. Let me start with you, Lizanne. Thank you so much. I would love it. Um, you can find me. My website is uh, www.theanimalsiview.com. Um, you can sign up to receive my newsletter. I also have a Facebook page. So on uh, Facebook um, under theanimalsiview.com. So feel free to run by there and and uh, like that page as well. Um, you can I find me on One Two Radio on Friday mornings at 10 Pacific doing the Animals I View um, show on the amazing and fabulous um, One Two family. And I'm also on uh, One Two Listen just recently within the last month. Um, and so please, um, I would invite you, if you've never had an animal communication session before, you will just be amazed, pleased, delighted, very surprised, <laughs> mm -hmm. but just hopefully really thrilled with hearing what your animal companion has to say to you. And listen, I was sorry to interrupt you, but animal uh, animals, I-E-Y-E, -E, right? No, the, just the letter I Okay. and the word view, V-I-E-W. Okay, good, good, good. I wanted to make that clear. Thanks, um, Mark. That's awesome. Thank you. Katie, where about you? What are you up to these days? Okay, well, I have a list too. You can find uh, my bio and more about me at thepsychicsisters.net. And of course, that's a website that I share with my sisters. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. My fan page is Katie Weaver. And then I am on 12 Radio twice a week. So I'm on on Wednesday nights at 6 uh, on Indigo's Crystals and Rainbows Oh My. And then I'm also on Psychic Sisters on Thursdays at 4. And so either way, you can connect with me there. And then I also uh, am a communicator and do all kinds of psychic work on when to listen. And I'm there just nearly every day. So that's a really good way to connect. You are one busy woman, aren't you? You and Lizanne mm -hmm. both, huh? It's crazy. <laughs> and, you're, and you're a mom and you're um, six Great Danes. Do you breed them for people? Oh, not six Great Danes. We okay. used to breed until I, you know, it just, it used to be nice. And then it became 
awful people. And I, I just couldn't do it anymore and put more animals out there that were being unwanted. Good for you. But I don't have six Danes. I have I have a Great Dane and then on down to a three-pound Chihuahua. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have sweet. a big mix. Elizabeth, you are um, a writer, and I know you talk about your writing sometimes, and you can feel it in you, the depth of that Scorpio, and I'd love for you to tell anything you'd like people to find out about you, if you have a website happening, or if you're um, content being a Scorpio, it's okay to say nothing. <laughs> tell us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you know me, Mark. Uh, but, no, I, I'm, I'm a writer working on becoming worthwhile at it and uh, I love doing it I, I'm probably more self-critical than I should be but I'm still working on it and keep looking out for that book that finally hits it I hope you will let us know if you get a book out there right oh of course I will oh I love it okay and Deb my sister is newly retired I'm so excited for her but our mom is also um, slowly going into that phase of um the age where we have to think of her differently. Uh, it's, it's a delicate situation, but, and I know it, the burden rests on the oldest, it seems. Uh, what, what about your plans, Deb? What are you hoping, what do you hope wishes and dreams happening coming up now that you're retired? Oh, I have so many and I'm just really now it's, I'm so excited. I don't know what's in store for me, and there's so many avenues I want to examine. But because of my love for dogs, I keep envisioning that I'll have a lot of dogs one day that no one else really wants, like elderly dogs that are ill, so that I can care for them and help them transition over. Uh, Having said that, everyone out there, I just want you to know, if I had not of contact, or if Lizanne had not found me, rather, let me say, uh, I would never have experienced the the animal communication, um, which made me so much better mentally and physically, and it was just a godsend to me. And I never even knew about it um, until I wrote the article. And so if anyone out there is experiencing the overwhelming grief that I did when I lost my little baby boy, um, please seek out an animal communicator. Um, It it is a wonderful experience and will take such a burden off of you. Mm. Great endorsement. And I I really underscore it. It's amazing. And I think it's, it's... People have opinions about what that craft is, and I just think, if you think it for yourself, just try it before you make an opinion. Well, as the world can see, I am in the company of remarkable people, making my life a remarkable life. I am so lucky to have these kind of voices around me, willingly to come in and talk. Uh, I hope we've done a service to you listeners. I hope you'll continue to seek out support when you need it. I hope you find our shows helpful and informative. Look for the encores and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much.